0: 11, verses 29 through to 36. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also was the Son of Man, will the Son of Man be to this generation." The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now, something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Jane. Good morning, everyone. My name is Harold, and... um, I have the privilege today to share the word um, and uh, uh, dive into the richness of this scripture that we just read. <clears throat> We're continuing the series on the road uh, in Luke, so we've been uh, going through that for a few days now, or a few weeks, and um, the main idea being discipleship, and discipleship is how we follow Jesus. The, the the correct way to follow Jesus would be discipleship. So our key, our key verse today is uh, Luke eleven thirty three. 33. No one lights a lamp and put it in a place where it will be hidden. So let's pray and ask the Lord to show us how we can witness Jesus' greatness and light. Father, we thank you that um, you have been a light to us, Lord, and you are a light to the whole world, and this light has shone on us, and uh, we walk in the light now. And I would pray, Lord, that um, as we look at this scripture today, that uh, we would uh, understand even more about the greatness of who you are, Jesus, and also our participation in shining your light in the whole world. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, we don't have the slides, but that's okay. Um, so growing up in the uh, uh, 80s, early 80s, as a good generation X kid, I had to be rebellious, had to rebel against someone or something. That was the mantra of, of all, all the kids of my generation. And so um, not only that, I needed to show to my friends how rebellious I could be. So, you know, you know how it is, right? The job of a teenager trying to be cool is not an easy one. So, um, I watched lots of uh, Hollywood movies, and uh, I noticed that in a lot of those movies, the doors and in the kids' bed, uh, bedrooms usually would have signs like, go away or stay out. And I thought, wow, that's a real sign of rebellion, right? Parents, stay away from my room, get out of my room. And so... Although that was not a common thing in Brazil, it was not a a common practice at all, I decided that I need to do something like that to show my rebellion to, you know, the whole world, even though it's inside of my house. (laughs) And so, um, one day, I go out on the streets, and I literally, I stole a a stop sign. Uh, In one of the intersections, I just took a hammer, and I got that stop sign, and I brought it home. Brought it home, and put right on my, uh, the, the door of my bedroom. So please don't do that. That is not an example of what to do. I'm telling you an example of what not to do. And so I put it there, and I believe that now I'm a true rebellious kid because I have this stolen stop sign on my door, and it was right you know inside of my room. There's a, a poster of Che Guevara because, again, have to be rebellious. All, all the boxes being, being checked on that, Um, the funny thing is I don't even remember what I did with that sign after I I got saved and got rid of all my rebellious paraphernalia. I don't even know what I did with that. But we come to this text today, and the first thing that we hear here is the crowds are asking Jesus for a sign, and um, sometimes we're tempted to think that, uh, um, if we, if our message had just a little more Bible, if our message just had a little more of an edge, then surely people would know that Jesus is the Lord. Or, if it had you know a little bit of a an anointing with a, a healing or or something supernatural, oh then for sure people would believe that Jesus is God. The interesting thing though is that uh, even. In John, John 12, 37, it says that in Jesus' own experience, that was not true. Because that verse says, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. So then the question remains, what makes people turn to Jesus? Well, Jesus is the greatest of all signs. When our eyes see Jesus, we see the one who truly created all things, the one who truly holds all things together, and he is the one who truly has the power to save. And so when we go to the Bible, we see these descriptions of who Jesus is. Jesus is the word. He is the very sounding word that created everything until Jesus there was nothing. He is the Savior. He is the one who saves us from eternal damnation. He is the Lamb, meaning He is the sacrifice of God so that we can be forgiven. I know that nowadays we, a lot of us deal with mental, ish, mental health issues and we go to counselors. Well, guess one of the names of Jesus. He is the Counselor. Jesus is the high priest, meaning Jesus is the one who is before the Father interceding for us. We don't need another person in between. Jesus is literally God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In a war torn world that we live in, that is the greatest of all news. He is the Prince of Peace. He's also divine, meaning if we are connected to Jesus, there is life flowing from Jesus, his very life flowing from Jesus to us. And he is divine. He's also the bread of life. He is what we need for survival. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is also the gate, the door. No one can come to the the Father except through Jesus. And Jesus also is the good shepherd. He is the one who can lead us to still waters. He is the one that can lead us even in dangerous times. He can lead us like a shepherd. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Um, We were just in Brazil a a few months ago, and and I was surprised to see that a lot of the the art had these uh, saints holding skulls. And, uh, and I said, why? I asked, why? Or somebody else asked, why? And, the, and they said, it's because life is short and death is certain. But in, in, the, in, in this reality that die, death is certain to us, guess what? Jesus is the resurrection. We don't die forever because he is the resurrection. He's the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. We then meet the real Jesus, and I know that we didn't do the Nicene Creed, but uh, he is God from God. He is light from light, true God from true God. So in the passage, Jesus mentioned two Old Testament characters. He mentioned um, the prophet Jonah, and he uh, mentioned King Solomon. So let's think about Jonah first. Jonah, he reluctantly and unwillingly went to Nineveh, this great city, to deliver a message. Yeah, sure, he he preached, but Jonah's heart was not in it. We know that when we read that Jonah's heart was not in it. He had a deep prejudice against the Ninevites. And that meant that he mostly wanted to see God just destroy them. He didn't want them to be saved. He just wanted God to destroy them. And so, for sure, his idea of what God wanted to do was very different than what God actually wanted to do. But Jesus reminds us that we have a greater message. And what's that? Jesus himself is the greater message. Jesus is the message of power, of love, and forgiveness, but, our heart, but for our hearts to be in it, our eyes then must be fixed on Jesus. We must know Jesus intimately. And this knowing Jesus intimately means we know how he acts and we know how he feels. And then the other person that Jesus mentioned was King Solomon. Now, King Solomon, we know he built this great, marvelous temple and his wisdom was known through the throughout the world of his days. this is a man of great wisdom, so then there 's Queen Sheba, this queen from Africa, that comes to visit Solomon to see is this really true? Is this temple really great, and is his wisdom truly great? Well, guess what she was she was confirmed it was true. all they said about Solomon it was true. But all of the beauty of the temple and all of the wisdom of Solomon are just simple representations of who Jesus really is. Jesus' true majesty and Jesus' true wisdom. Knowing Jesus' greatness makes our witnessing pretty simple. We we need to tell people who Jesus is, and that is, He is God. We need to Tell people what Jesus has done, and that is he has died for our sins, and what Jesus will do, which is he will forgive us if we repent and confess. So we know that most people come to Christ because, they're, because of friends and family. Most people, they will come to Christ because of friends and family that shared the message of salvation with them. So that means that our witnessing then needs to be proactive. And what does that mean? To be proactive, we should focus on the people that we already have common relations with. So who would those people be? Well, it might be, first of all, friends and family, right? The family that we live with that don't know Christ yet. But then it could also be, you know, the security guard in the building. It could be... um, uh, a helper. It could be your boss, a co a shopkeeper, somebody, maybe the bus driver. Maybe you always ride the same mini bus to work, and uh, you now have become very familiar with that bus driver. And those are the kind of people that, you know, we can have this ability to share who Jesus is, the great Jesus that we know. And that is the greatest good news that anybody can have. And we don't need to do that in a preachy way or in a judgmental way or in a condemning way. Because again, we're talking about the greatness of who Jesus is. All we need to do is tell people how awesome Jesus' greatness is. As the passage continues, Jesus then begins to talk about light and healthy eyes. There's a shift here. Light and healthy eyes. So first of all, what does it mean to have healthy eyes? Um, Jesus is talking about holiness and purity. It would be difficult for us to speak how great Jesus is if we lack or if we don't walk in holiness and purity. Earlier in, in Luke 6.45, Jesus said, The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So how can we expect to shine the light of Jesus if uh, we're filled with worthless goals or if we're filled with worthless information or worthless priorities? It would be difficult for what is worthy to come out. And Jesus said that unhealthy eyes equal darkness. Now, uh, we just had a praise report of uh, being healed from uh, COVID. And I think many of us, um, had a displeasure of having COVID at one point. And you know that w- whether it is COVID or any other sickness, e- the last thing you want to know is, you want to do is get up and, and, and go through your day. You, you don't feel well. Um, most of you know that uh, for over 20 years, I dealt with severe effects of being very unhealthy because of, uh, of uh, uh, my obesity, Now I'm 90 kilos lighter than I used to be, and I feel healthy. Guess what? Now I am able to do things that before I couldn't. And uh, the truth is, no one, no one wants to have an unhealthy body. And so um, Jesus also said that a healthy eye equals light. So the Bible talks a lot about light. It's a theme that comes it uh, comes up over and over in the Bible. So, for example, in 1 John 1, 5, it says that God is light. Then in John eight twelve, it says Jesus is the light of the world. In Matthew 5, 14, it says we are light, the light of the world. And so this uh, concept or the idea of light is throughout the Bible, and we can learn more about that. Now, three weeks ago, we kicked off the new year, And how does that happen? With a new moon. Now, what's what's the new moon? The new moon, you can actually not see the moon. Well, why is that? Because the moon does not have its own light. The moon only reflects the light from the sun. And so we couldn't see the moon. In the same way, we don't have a light for this world. We can only reflect the light of Jesus to this world. Outside of Jesus... All we see is darkness. All we see is darkness. And Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and puts in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. The more we look at the greatness of Jesus, the more Jesus' light will shine in and through us. And uh, when Jesus' light shines in us, it needs to shine out of us as well. So here are some, in closing, I want to give just a few examples of how we can shine the light of Jesus around us. First one, it would be authentic living. And that is to sincerely and humbly show genuine love for people in a way that Jesus would. And that's why when we finish or, or during the piece or when we finish our service, we go downstairs and uh, we mingle and we get to know people. Why? Because that is how we find out if somebody has a need, if somebody is ill or if somebody is dealing with a situation that we can be part of showing authentic love to that person. The next one would be sharing the gospel. And that is to actively actively sharing the message of salvation and hope found in Jesus Christ. And that's why we ask you to bring non-believer friends to all the evangelistic events of Easter. Like Pastor Hugh said in our uh, announcements, there are several things lined up in these uh, weeks that we can be inviting people to be exposed to the light and greatness of Jesus through these. The other one would be to stand stand up for justice. And that is courageously courageously speaking out and taking action against against injustice, oppression, and suffering. You know, asylum seekers are the, the most voiceless people in our community. And so... That's why we want to encourage everyone to help out with blessed vision. Again, another opportunity for us to let the light of Jesus shine out. The next one would be spiritual growth over materialism. And that is prioritizing a deeper spiritual life and relationship with God over the pursuit of material wealth and worldly um, and worldly success. And that's why we encourage everyone to use the Lent daily prayers and to join Resurrection Church's Lent prayers and to come to the Shatin monthly prayer meetings. And that is a, a way for us to then let the light of Jesus shine. And finally, And that is unconditional love and acceptance. Extending love and acceptance to the people, regardless of their beliefs or lifestyles, embodying embodying Jesus' unconditional love and showing kindness to everyone. Again, we can help with blessed vision. Or we can help with uh, Sons and Daughters, a ministry that uh, reaches out for the women in Chai. Or we can help out with Center for Refugees, uh, working with refugees in Chunky Mansions. So the opportunities for us to serve and for us to shine Jesus' light are endless. We as a church, we can offer some, but individually, we need to be the ones to make that choice. And knowing Jesus' greatness is the first step. And the next step is shining to the world, Jesus' light. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that uh, your light is shining throughout the entire world because you have your children spread throughout the world. Help us, Lord, I pray, to not hide the light. Help us, Lord, I pray, for us to shine the, G- the light that it comes from Jesus. And just as the, the full moon, Lord, that rises and brightens up, Lord, the, dark, the darkness of the night, Lord, may our light be a reflection of your light in the world, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.